The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, July 12, 2020, on the basis of Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Perhaps there are no two better words to describe the way that we communicate these days, the way that messages are sent and received, the way that information is publicized and then consumed, then the two words, on demand. When we want an answer to a question, we no longer go and look it up in the encyclopedia. We just Google it. If we want to know what's happening in our world, we don't have to wait until the 6 o'clock nightly news. We just pull our phones out of our pockets. If we want to watch the next episode in our favorite TV show, we don't have to wait until Thursday night at 8, 7 central. We instead just stream it right there on the spot. We get the information that we want whenever and wherever and however we want it. In fact, I I was amazed recently to hear someone talk about an experience that they had had in their childhood. This person had grown up in a very rural and remote area, one of those areas where every home in the, the small little country area was all on the same phone line. And so it could happen that you would pick up the receiver of the phone to make a phone call only to find out that the person in the house down the road was already using the phone. And so you had to wait until that person's conversation was done until you could go ahead and use the phone. All of that waiting just to make a phone call. It's almost hard to believe that someone who is alive right now could have possibly had that experience as a child. In fact, compare that to an experience that my children just recently had. As some of you know, it was a week ago Friday that we moved into our new house here in Mount Horeb. And in advance of that move, our internet service provider had told us that at this new house, everything was already hooked up and all they needed to do was switch the service over from one house to the other. Well, it turns out that it wasn't all hooked up and so they had to send someone out but that person couldn't come that Friday that we moved. They had to come the following Tuesday. And then not only that, but they were supposed to come first thing Tuesday morning, but they ended up coming way later in the evening on Tuesday. Now, mind you, during this entire time, we still had our phones that we could use as hotspots. But based on my children's reaction, you would think that they had gone through some inhumane ordeal that violates the terms of the Geneva Convention to have to go for a hundred hours without wireless internet. We get very used to having our information and our communication on demand. Now, if that's the case, then what Jesus wants to say to us in the verses that are in front of us this morning will present us with a bit of a challenge. Out of everything that comes at us in our world on demand, Jesus wants to make it very clear that one of them is not the truth about God. If we want to know not just the news and not just the weather, but if we want to know God, if we want to know who he is, if we want to know what he is up to and how he operates, if we want to know what he wants for us and what he wants from us, we aren't able to just learn that information on our own terms. The majesty and the mystery of our God cannot simply be discovered by us 
it needs to be revealed to us. And so as we look at these verses from Matthew chapter 11 this morning, we're going to see that the truth about God does not come to us on demand. Instead, we are at Jesus' mercy to reveal heavenly mystery. In fact, that's what Jesus had been doing recently. He had been traveling throughout Galilee, the the northern part of Israel, doing that very thing, revealing the truth about God through preaching and teaching. And at the start of these verses, Jesus describes the results that that was having. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So the smart and sophisticated in Jesus' day were missing out on all of this divine truth. Meanwhile, the simple and the lowly were embracing it. And this wasn't some flaw or some failure. Jesus praises God for this. This is the very thing that God himself was pleased to do. Now, that is the exact opposite of what you would expect if we could, on our own, discover the truth about God. If the truth about God came to us on our own terms, well, then the wise and the learned would have a leg up. And the simple and the lowly, people like little children, they would be at a severe disadvantage. But that's not how it works with God. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The truth about God does not come to us on demand or on our own terms. Instead, it needs to be revealed by God himself, and specifically, it is revealed through Jesus. Jesus says that no one knows the Father except him, and no one knows him except the Father. That truth about God is like top-secret, highly classified information that just the two of them have. No one is going to figure it out on their own. No one is going to be granted that exclusive tell-all interview. No one is going to hack into their divine brains and then leak the information to the public. The only way the truth about God gets out is if Jesus himself reveals it. We are at Jesus' mercy to reveal divine mystery. Now, as I mentioned before, in our world where just about everything else comes to us on demand, on our own terms, that presents us with a bit of a challenge. We would like to think that we can figure out God for ourselves. We would like to think that we can learn about God on our own terms. Now, I'm not talking about being able, for example, to watch church online during a time of pandemic. I'm not talking about the technology that allows us to read our Bibles without having a physical book in front of us, but just opening up an app on our phone. Those pieces of technology can be tremendous blessings. Well, then what am I talking about? Well, how about every time we begin a statement about God with the words, I think, or I feel, or in my opinion, as if any of those things all by themselves, would make what we are about to say about God true? Or how about that ever-popular statement that we can be spiritual without being religious? That we can have this this personal and private relationship with God just between us and him, and we don't need religion, we don't need church, we don't ever need to go to the place where the word of, of God is being preached and is being taught. Or how about 
when we decide to engage in specific behavior in our lives. We decide that we're going to live a, a certain way, we're going to act and talk a certain way, we're going to manage our finances and our calendars a certain way, we're going to raise our kids a certain way, simply because it's what we want to do, and then retroactively we go back and assert that surely God is okay with the way that we are living, even when perhaps he makes it very clear in his word that he is in fact not. Or what about when we assume that God operates, or at least God ought to operate, the way that we would operate if we were God? And then when he doesn't, we get angry with him, or we criticize him, or maybe someone even sort of shakes their fist at God and says, well, I'm not going to believe in a God that would ever do that or act in that way. We want our truth about God, our information about God, the same way that we get our news and our Netflix, on demand in our control. Jesus makes it very clear it doesn't work that way. And that's why what Jesus says was happening, was happening. The smart and the sophisticated were missing out. Meanwhile, the simple and the lowly were embracing the truth about God. Now, at first, that might sound like that's not a very good thing that was going on. It almost makes it sound as though Jesus was playing favorites. As if discovering the truth about God is sort of like discovering a hidden treasure. And Jesus was giving a treasure map to this group over here, but letting this group over here just kind of fend for themselves. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that he reveals the truth about God in a way that is so mysterious, so seemingly bizarre, that those who think they already have it all figured out, that those who think that they can figure out God on their own, will likely miss it. We might think of it this way. Imagine if I told you that one of these Bugatti vehicles, I'm not going to even try and pronounce the model name, but this is the most expensive car in the world. It's worth about $19 million. Imagine if one of these were for sale, not ex at some exclusive dealership over in Europe or wherever Bugattis get made, but it was up for auction right here at our Wisconsin surplus auction just outside of town, available to the highest bidder, no doubt, at a drastically reduced price. Or what if I told you that the Star of Africa diamond, the largest diamond in the world, 530 carats, was available, not locked up in some vault, not mounted in the scepter of the Queen of England like it is, but instead it's just sitting on the shelf at the dollar store over in Madison. Or what if I told you that a pair of these shoes was available, covered in gold, studded with diamonds, worth $17 million. What if I told you that someone had donated them to our local community clothes closet, and they were just sitting there on the shelf, ready and waiting for the taking? Now, anyone who thinks that they know how things like this work, and who thinks that they know where things like this are available, and for what they are available, would no doubt never even think about going to those places to look for those items. Even though those items could very well be sitting in those places, they would miss out because they think they already have everything figured out. But do you know who might actually go and look and find and see? A child. Someone who doesn't think that they have it all figured out. Someone who is willing to listen to what other people tell them no matter how seemingly bizarre it sounds. Well, in the very same way, if Jesus took heaven's best treasures, 
and he put them in the places where we usually expect to find really good, really expensive, really valuable things, then they would only be available to a certain class of people, the select, the elite, the wise and the sophisticated, the wealthy and the powerful, the alphas and the overachievers. But instead, Jesus takes heaven's best gifts and he puts them in the last place you would ever expect to find them. Which, yes, on the one hand means that some people who think they've got it all figured out, they never will. But on the other hand, it means that anyone and everyone can. Those priceless gifts of heaven are just sitting there waiting for anyone to be able to receive them. It's easy for us to want the truth about God to be available to us on demand, but it's a good thing we are at Jesus' mercy to reveal divine mystery. Can I give you an example? I can't help but wonder if, if Jesus was actually thinking that before he said what he said next. He had just sort of laid out this principle about how he takes heaven's best gifts and he puts them in the least likely of places, and then he gives the people who are listening to him the perfect example of exactly what he's talking about. The gift in question is a gift that we are all seeking in our lives. In fact, it's one that we all very much need. It is the gift of rest. And I'm not talking about a day off from our jobs. I'm not talking about a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon where we can sit on our couches and put our feet up. Not physical rest, but spiritual rest. The wonderful, priceless gift of not feeling as though there is this burden of guilt weighing down on your shoulders because of some of the things that you've done or some of the opportunities that you've let pass you by. But instead, the wonderful feeling of that burden being lifted. The wonderful gift of not feeling inadequate or insecure because somehow in spite of everything that you've done and everything that you've striven for in your life, you still don't quite measure up. But instead, the wonderful gift of peace and confidence of knowing that you have nothing left to prove, not to God and not to anyone else. That gift of rest. Jesus says, come to me. It's not available on demand. You can't find it wherever you want, but come to me and I will give you rest. But then notice who he invites. We'd maybe expect Jesus to invite the self-starters, the determined and the driven. Those are the kinds of people who can do the things that are needed in order to earn that rest. But instead, Jesus invites the weary and the burdened, the tired and the worn out, People who know that all the drive and all the determination, determination in the world have been unable to get them anywhere with God. People who have reached the very end, the very limit of their ability and are ready to give up. That's who Jesus invites. And then notice how he delivers the rest that he promises. We maybe expect Jesus to say, don't worry, I know you're tired, but, but you're almost there. You can do it just a couple more steps. I know this burden is getting heavy, but you've got this. Instead, Jesus says, stop right there. Don't take one more step. Put that burden down. And instead, take my yoke upon you. Yes, Jesus does put a yoke on our shoulders. He puts on our shoulders a burden of sorts. But it's not a burden of more things that we need to do. It's not another list of demands in addition to the demands we put on ourselves. 
Instead, it's the yoke or the burden of trusting completely in him. Trusting that everything that God's law requires of us has been done already perfectly by him. Trusting that every last ounce of guilt that otherwise would weigh down on our shoulders has already been shouldered and already been paid for by him. That yoke is trusting him entirely, that everything that is needed in order for us to enjoy that much-needed rest, everything has already been done. Which is why Jesus can say something that sounds even more bizarre than suggesting that the Star of Africa might be available for you at the dollar store. He says, I give you a yoke that is easy, and I place on you a burden that is light. Jesus could, we might expect, in fact, Jesus to say, the rest that you seek will be your reward after successfully completing the work that you need to do. But instead, Jesus offers that rest as a completely free gift to anyone who gives up, to anyone who quits, to anyone who stops trying to carry their burden themselves and instead takes that burden that Jesus instead gives. And yes, those who think they have it all figured out, those who think that they know how God ought to work, they're going to miss this priceless, precious gift of rest. But if we are willing to become like little children, if we are willing to listen to what Jesus says, no matter how absurd it seems, then that priceless, precious gift of rest is ours. It's just sitting there ready and waiting for the taking. You know, I suppose there are some advantages to this on-demand world that we live in. And yet I think we are learning more and more that there is one giant fatal flaw. In a world where just about everything is on-demand, rather than getting the information that we need or the information that is best for us, we instead just get more and more and more of the information that we already want. Have you noticed that? When you go to Google something, when you, you start typing, it already shows what other people have searched for, and in fact, it shows your own search history there. When you open up Facebook or Twitter, all of their fancy algorithms are showing you the things that they think, based on your past behavior, that you want to see. When you open up Netflix, there's already a list of TV shows and movies that they suggest for you based on the things that you've watched before. In fact, in a world where, where everything is on demand, it's sort of like we're constantly looking in a mirror. When we are fed things that we want, we get to see the truth about ourselves. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look in that mirror, I don't always like what I see. So what a blessing that Jesus doesn't treat us in the same way. That the truth about him is not something that we just grasp at on our own terms. It's something that we don't get on demand. Instead, he gives us the truth about God that we need and the truth about God that is best for us, in spite of the fact that it's the last thing that we deserve and the last thing that we would expect. What a blessing that we are at Jesus' mercy to reveal divine mystery. Normally, that's not a good thing, right? To be completely at someone else's mercy for something so important. Normally, that's not where you want to be, except if that person is Jesus. Except if that person has demonstrated, as Jesus had, as Jesus has, that he has so much of that mercy. Amen. Amen.